Hello. Welcome to our new season of the Reach Next Generation podcast. I am Grace Jeffries, and I'm thinking about my future. To help me with this, I'm speaking with successful women to get an understanding of the challenges they have faced throughout their careers, how they overcame them, and what tips they for girls of my age. Today, my guest is the Right Honourable Priti Patel, Member of Parliament for Witham. Priti was Home Secretary from 2019 to 22 also. Thanks for joining me today, Priti. Can we start by you telling us all how your career took you to the role you have today? Sure. Well, Grace, thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. And it's great to be here, particularly as part of your new series. So I'm a member of Parliament. I'm the Conservative Member of Parliament for Whitham. And I think, you know, I have a different story in terms of sort of my career path and things of that nature, because I've always been quite active in politics. By that, I mean my political party. I'm a member of the Conservative Party. I've been a member of the Conservative Party for, wait for it, for 34 years. That's three, four years. That's quite a long time because I believe in conservative values and beliefs. And it never, ever occurred to me at any stage, you know, did I want to be an MP? Could I be an MP? Never, ever registered with me. I come from a family that's self-employed, you know, we're self-starters, um, work in business. So I've had a, I had a career before I even became an MP. I worked around the world. I've worked in international consultancy. I've worked for big corporates. I love all of that. And I really enjoy the business world still. And I have a lot of interest in all of that. So I basically became an MP, Member of Parliament in 2010, um, because I effectively approached one of our former leaders when we were in opposition and said, you know, we've got to get our act together as a party. We've got to be much more appealing. We've got to have right people representing our party. And currently we're not doing that. And my then colleague said, you need to represent our party and stand for our party. You need to be the change that you want to see. And before I knew it, I was working around. I was working for a big international company. I was on a plane every other week traveling the world. Um, I was then put up for interviewing the party, went went for something called selection, where, you know, you try to get um, a constituency allocated to you. And I found it really difficult. People didn't want me. And I, I was at the sort of stage in my career. I thought, well, if they don't want me, there are other people that want me and I'm going to carry on doing what I do. But then I persevered and I then got selected to stand in the 2005 general election and then for the Whitton constituency in 2010, and I got elected. So I think there's a, a bit of a lesson there. You know, you just have to keep persisting, um, you know, and really sort of following your heart, your instinct um, and all of that. So that's really how I ended up as an MP. And then, of course, being an MP at a time when your party is in government, has given me the greatest honour and the greatest privilege of my life, which was the opportunity to be the Home Secretary of our country for just over three years. So I'm the second longest serving Home Secretary after Theresa May. I think that's an amazing thing. I still, you know, pinch myself when people say that to me. And it has been the greatest honour of my life to be Home Secretary, but oversee the national security, intelligence agencies of our country, oversee policing, our borders, visas, operations, you name it, migration, legal and illegal, all sorts of challenges. It is one of the hardest jobs in government. It makes you deeply unpopular. But, you know, I didn't care about that because for me, it was a great privilege. I'm a workaholic. I loved what I was doing um, and I believe in public service. So, you know, that's effectively a bit about who I am and how I've got here. 
Wow, you've had quite the journey from starting in business, as you said, international consultancy, to where you are now. Um, quite amazing, I must say. But you touched on that you've always been quite a big fan of business and politics. Was that the same when you were, when you were maybe younger? Um, when you were in school, did you perhaps know what you wanted to do or be? Or did that happen maybe a little bit later in life? No, so I definitely had a view. So Grace, probably when I was about your age. Um, I like business. I've grown up with business. Um, I like the freedom that business gives you. Quite frankly, you're not working for someone. You're working for yourself. Um, and that is basically my family and my family background. Um, I like the ability to be in control of, you know, what you earn, all that kind of stuff as well. I like the fact that, you know, in business, you can employ people, give people opportunities, um, you know, give them opportunities, jobs and careers. So, and I'm very people orientated. So I've always liked that. And I kind of like knew I was going to work in business, whether it's finance or business. And so I've always been interested in current affairs, in news, in business news. I would watch financial markets at an early age. I still do all of that because I enjoy it. I like it. And I've got a lot of family around the world in business too and I think that gave me a good foundation it really gave me a good foundation to then go into public life but there's an important thing here within my family and my wider family still to this day we believe in public service so yes we run shops nothing fancy we I'm working class background we ran shops you know good times bad times hard times um, my wider family have gone on to do other things in business but any success that we have financially or in business, we are very thankful for that and we will always give back to the community. So we do sort of philanthropic work where we can, give to charities, all of that, because we do believe in giving something back and that is fundamental to who I am. Yeah, I think, as you said, community service is just such a good thing to do and I like how you kind of had that from a young age. Um, it kind of teaches you some good morals and it's nice to have that kind of base for future life. But I know that you went to both Keele University and the University of Essex. How important do you think it actually is to go to university, though? Because I know that nowadays there's so many different apprenticeship schemes, graduate schemes, all kind of different things that lots of different companies can now offer you. So I've got very mixed views on this. I was the first in my family to go to university. My parents placed a great deal of emphasis on that. I was blessed. My parents encouraged me. But of course, things have changed now. And Grace, I was having this exact conversation in my constituency on Saturday um, with someone who is 15 years old and with his brother, who is 21, who's doing a master's degree right now. And the 15 year old has basically said, I was with his mum and dad as well, he doesn't want to go to university. Um, he wants to do something that is much more vocational or even go down the apprenticeship route. And the beauty of apprenticeships route is that you can still do a university qualification and the company that we work for will end up paying for it so you're not burdened with the debt in particular I think that's very appealing very attractive um, I think you know I've seen over the last 20 30 years in particular too much emphasis on young people going to university not necessarily being equipped for, with life skills 
or even employability skills. So, Grace, a long time ago, back in 2015, I was the um, employment minister and I believe in skills. I believe that we should do much more in our schools to give young people experience about the world of work and understanding of what employability skills are, basic types of things. You know, you need to get on in life. You know, what happens when you start work on your first day, how to get a job, how to do a CV, all those types of things. I'm a great believer in that. And I think we should actually concentrate on doing more of that rather than assuming you know, you go to school till you're 18. Once you're 18, you go to university and then you try and get a job. And it's a bit like a cliff edge afterwards. Um, it's a bit sink or swim. I think we should be having a much more measured approach and guiding our young people through schools, through colleges um, to really give them, you know, more of an insight in terms of how to be ready for the world of work. And if you want to go to university, fine. If you don't, there are some fantastic options out there that I think are even better than going to university. Definitely, I agree with you. Now, as part of our Reach Next Generation Summit, we look at diversity and opportunity for young girls from perhaps the black and minority communities. Do you think that we're making any progress in providing opportunities for everyone in the UK? And what do you think we could do to see it happen a little bit more? So that's a great question. Um, I think the answer to that will vary depending on who you speak to and also which part of the country that person's from or where you live and things of that nature. So um, the answer is definitely we've met, we're making progress. 100% we are making progress. Um, obviously, that progress is not fast enough because... You know, you see part, some parts of the country doing better than other parts of the country. And I think how would I describe this? I'd describe this like it's a bit of a postcode lottery. You know, if you live somewhere in you know an area that's got deprivation or schools that aren't great, it's really hard, right? Irrespective of your background, your, minority, your ethnicity or anything like that, or even your gender, it's hard anyway. But then on top of that, if you've got, you know, other issues, ethnic differences all that kind of stuff it can be really really hard so I'm a great believer in the institutions of the state so our schools etc actually being on an even playing field driving much more activity around inclusion and opportunity and Grace it comes back to your last question about skills you know even getting businesses into schools getting mentors into schools getting people that can help inspire and motivate you know this is the space we need to be in but it shouldn't be a luxury it should be literally across the board in my view and it is possible to do it definitely now after working in parliament for so long what do you think are your non-negotiables? So basically the things that you will not compromise on no matter what, either at home or at work. So I have, and people do say this about me, I have quite high standards. Um, and that matters to me a lot because, you know, my non-negotiables are linked to myself and my public standing and my reputation. Um, I've got a reputation for hard work. Um, I've got a reputation for actually sometimes being uncompromising because I have high standards. I believe in maintaining those standards or even driving those standards upwards. Um, by that, it's not for my benefit. 
I want others to benefit from that. You know, so, for example, in my constituency, I want my schools to be even better than they are right now. So we can have even better outcomes for our students and our young people. Um, you know, I'm constantly, you know, trying to drive or push forward, not just new agendas, but raise the bar in terms of levels of engagement with organisations that don't want to engage. I do that because sometimes we need greater transparency of those organisations and how we can work together and support each other. You know, I'm a great believer. So my other non-negotiable is basically I'm not going to say I give up. You know, I'm the complete opposite to that. I believe in problem solving and finding solutions. And I think in Parliament, it's too easy to sit on the fence or, you know, it's easier not to make a decision, which will sound strange because you come to Parliament to be a, you know, a change maker. But there are too many people that sit on the fence. I haven't got the time of day for that. I'm constantly pushing boundaries. I'm constantly trying to force debate. I'm constantly raising standards. And I think that is incredibly important. And with that, I take people into uncomfortable positions because sometimes you do have to shine a spotlight in politics in particular, what people are saying, what they're doing, what their motivation is. And I always bring it back to public service and serving our community and our country. As I said before, with having those morals quite, you know, built into you, I I love how even when it's maybe a little bit more tough than usual, bringing it back to those true kind of the true drivers, I guess, of what you do. I think it's just such a great thing. Um, but I have to ask, um, what do you think politicians can really do to attract young female talent into politics? As I know that sometimes it can be quite male dominated so yeah I've got pretty strong views about this actually and I've been asked this question previously as well um I think our politics needs to be slightly more professional um, which will sound unusual but look at our ways of working for example they still seem a bit crazy to people now you know we sit till about 10 o'clock on a Monday night and all that which is fine I've got no issue with that I've worked I've worked in business around the world and I've had to traverse different time zones. So I'm quite relaxed about that. But I do think professional standards matter. So you hear all sorts of you hear it in the news. Let's be very honest about this, about standards or behaviours in Parliament, which I think some people would be quite appalled by. Um, you know, when people are suspended because of their conduct or they say things or they behave terribly badly, that's unprofessional. And having worked in, you know, the business world, et cetera, you see all sorts of things as well. But there's, there is a thing where for some reason politics seems to be in a different, different category to every other professional job. And I think we just need more professionalism and greater standards in terms of conduct, behavior, levels of public service, all of that. And, and I think more women would then come in. Um, and by by getting more women in, we'll break the stereotypes around politicians and politics. We'll break the whole notion. And it is a truth that it's all male dominated. It's all about friends that can get you into jobs rather than what you know and the skills and experience. And I think more women want to hear about, you know, why politics is for them, what kind of skills and experience they can bring to public service. Because I'm afraid it's still seen as an old boys club. Um, and it really is. And I think it's got worse recently um, in politics. And I think, you know, when you see elected prime ministers being ejected from their position and the type of things that the public have seen in my own party, I think it undermines people's trust and confidence in politics and politicians.
so Ryan I have to ask you just mentioned that sometimes you can be in the uh, the office or in the cabinet till 10 at night that's when I go to bed so it seems quite late um I imagine being an MP and particularly when you were home secretary is pretty much 24 7 but do you have any hobbies or do you do anything in particular to relax and switch off when you do get those spare moments of time so I love going out. <laughs> I'm a real socialite. I love seeing my friends, my family. I like traveling. I like music. I like Formula One. I like horse racing. I like football. I like cricket. I just love doing all of that kind of stuff and going out with my friends and family. So I had no time to do any of that when I was home secretary. Um, my family did all of it without me, <laughs> which was fine. I did a little bit of it. Um, so, yes. As I said, Grace, you know, being homosexual was the greatest privilege, the greatest privilege. And it was a job that I absolutely loved. And with that, you know, I gave it 200 plus percent. You have to do that in a job like that. And that means, you know, making sacrifices. My family never saw me, really. Um, I, my son is 14. He hardly saw me. But that is also down to public service. You know, when you believe in public service and you have those roles and responsibilities, you know they're not going to last forever. So it's a sacrifice that you're prepared to make. But, yeah, I love going out. I love doing fun things. And, you know, I can do a bit more of that now. (laughs) So um, what tips would you give girls when they start to think about maybe their own careers and their futures? So... I think number one is whatever you choose to do, just go for it and don't let anybody talk you out of it at all. Um, I think that's incredibly important. And be prepared to have to work a little bit harder than the guys sometimes, um, because quite frankly, we're very good. Women are very good at proving themselves um, in what they do. I've worked in environments where I think the guys are pretty lazy um, and I've seen lazy, lazy males, um, you know, just just really just because it's a male environment, they can get away with it and women work much harder. But I think just stick to your guns and absolutely don't let anyone talk you out of it. And I just think on this point as well, we're seeing so many women compared to when I started my professional working career, you know, well over 25 years ago. We're seeing so many women now in different sectors at the top. You know, I'd love to see there are some fantastic women. I was with some today that are in finance, in business, in banking, in, you know, they run investment houses. They do all this kind of stuff. And they had it really tough. But, you know, they're there now in the same way I'm here now. We paved the way for others to follow in our footsteps afterwards. And it's equally as important that people like myself and others, you know, effectively bang the drum and make that possible. Um, That is really, really important. I agree. Now, um, we were just talking about what you love to do. You said very social. I agree with you. It's great getting out, um, especially when you've had tough time at work and how when you were home secretary of course you were a lot more busy and you weren't able to do as much but is there anything that you want to do in the future that's either personal or professional any crazy things that you want to do like bungee jumping or climbing the ranks even higher than you have professionally yeah Yeah, I think there are lots of things that I'd like to do I may not share them all with you if you don't mind (laughs) 
Um, I'm very open minded. I've got a very broad skill set. Um, I really have. Um, and obviously my background speaks to that as well. My number one objective is to help people no matter what, whether I'm a, I'm a politician or if I'm no longer a politician, I'll go into probably business and I will help people not just in this country, but around the world. I love, you know, working with young people. I love supporting people from disadvantaged backgrounds. Um, and also, you know, I've done a lot of work in poverty around the world as well. I was Secretary of State for International Development. Um, I feel very strongly about people, you know, that are suffering poverty, hard times, conflict zones and things of that nature. I will always have an interest there um, and I will always help organisations or individuals that are trying to change lives, save lives and make a difference to people of all ages, but in particular children. Now, finally, if you could spend, say, an hour just chatting to three people over, you know, a biscuit, a cup of tea, who would they be and, and why? That's a great question. I tell you someone that I'd love to talk to and meet, um, and this might sound a bit wild. I'd love to have a conversation with Beyonce. Oh, same. <laughs> I mean, she's something else, right? But lots and lots of reasons. Um, colourful in, in so many ways. You know, she, through her music, she's champion of various causes and does, you know, what I call musical advocacy. Um, so I think, you know, she'd definitely be one of them. Um, I'd love to spend some time, actually, um, without naming names, but with some American Supreme judges, um, particularly the lady that was appointed, the last one that was appointed by Donald Trump. Um, because in America, America politics, we've been speaking about the UK, but, you know, international politics is fascinating. You know, some of these justices, the cases that they deal with, because, yes, they're lawmakers, but also they have such a big impact on people's lives. Um, and so I think, you know, um, that would be that would be absolutely incredible to do that. And then I think my third one would probably be, you know, a big foreign leader. Um, a, a big international politician. So, I mean, two, two different spectrums. One I still find really interesting um, is is still the Prime Minister of India. I do know him, so I've had the pri privilege of meeting him before. But how he runs and oversees the largest democracy in the world and how he's moved that country to having the largest middle class population in the world and trying to lift that country out of poverty, I think it would be a fascinating conversation. And then I think former leaders as well. You know, my big political icon was Margaret Thatcher. I've had the privilege of spending time with her. But even former leaders, you know, the likes of even Barack Obama, you know, he brought change to America, he changed the political landscape um, in ways in which, you know, people were just like watching all the time. To hear the experiences of former leaders, I think, would be quite something, too. Definitely. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you today, Pretty. Thank you so, so much. And I'm sure everyone listening will now be thinking about some of the choices they're about to make in their own futures and perhaps their own careers, too. Well, keep listening to the Reach Next Generation podcasts as I talk to many more brilliant women. And more details about us and our podcasts and summits are at www.reachnextgeneration.com. Re